seated. In Acts, in Acts chapter 6, well, by the way, welcome. Good evening. Thank you for coming here uh, and being with us as we celebrate the installation of the deacons. And uh, am I on back there, Ray? Okay. Uh, in Acts 6, the word deacon is not used, uh, but the process of selection of deacons is clearly defined. For the congregation selected seven men to be appointed to the business of tending to the needs of the congregation so the apostles could minister to the word of, could minister the word of God and, uh, and they could minister that to the people of God. This is uh, James is praying. So in that passage, in Acts 6, 3, Peter set the parameters. He said, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among ye seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So every member of the body of Christ <clears throat> should be a minister, right? Every member is a minister. Nonetheless, for the sake of Christ's church, Peter chose seven men out of the thousands who could minister to the body in a way that would bring unity to the body of Christ because the first uh, example of deacons in the church was that to kind of quell some of the divisions that were produced through the multiplication of the ministry. So we don't have time to review Acts chapter 6 uh, this evening. However, I did, wanna, I did want us uh, to see uh, the passage, from that passage of Scripture uh, some of the ways that it applies to what we're doing here tonight. Number one, there was a reason for appointing deacons. We see, we see that in Acts 6, 1 through 3. And we're going to be in, our, in the text in 1 Timothy, so if you want to turn there, you can get there. But in Acts 6, 3 through 4, they, uh, they established the role of the deacons. And then as a result, uh, they had spirit-filled deacons. So the reason for appointing deacons was to provide pastoral care for the family of God, resulting from the fruitful growth of the body, uh, which was multiplying because they were engaged in the ministry of discipleship. And the role of the deacons is to represent the pastor or the pastors, in the, the case of the church at uh, Antioch or the church at Jerusalem or this church at Heartland, the pastoral team, it's plural, um, and myself being the, the uh, lead pastor, the, uh, the senior pastor, uh, the goal of the deacons then is, the role, I'm sorry, of the deacons then is to represent uh, the pastor and or the pastors in uh, matters of ch church ministry and business. And the result of that, of course, is the spirit-filled deacons uh, was the fruit. They had more multiplication. Now, you see in Acts that they started with multiplication. Multiplication doesn't always mean there's not problems. Actually, uh, it's messy. Making disciples is a mess. And so they needed deacons to help clean up the mess so they can continue to make more disciples and multiply and accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. So both the problems and the solutions were the evidence of the power of fulfilling God's mission. And because ministry, uh, by its very nature, is messy, we, we, need to, uh, we need faithful men and women who will help wash the congregation in the water of God's word. And not only by what we say, but most importantly, uh, in the deacon, in the case of a deacon, it's by how they live. Uh, which is the case really for all Christians. What we, as we say, uh, your actions speak so loud I can't hear what you're saying, right? So uh, that is the life of a minister of the gospel, whether a deacon or a pastor. So why do churches have deacons? Well, that's a good question. It's because they need to give uh, a title to the biggest givers. That's really why. No, it's not at all. Uh, no, the biblical reason uh, to have, <laughs> that is supposed to be funny. It better be funny. Um, and so, uh, no, at this church, the biblical reason to have deacons is to minister and multiply, right? It's all about the mission of God and multiplying. So tonight, the time, in the time we have remaining, I want to look at the standard of the deacon doctrine. Uh, we'll primarily be in verses 8 through 16 of Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and I'll, I will, uh, I have verses 1 through 16 listed on your outline, but I probably will drill down on just the verses we need for the time that we have remaining. Even though the office of a deacon or, or a minister is described in Acts 6, the actual office of deacon is not established until... Uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Our doctrine, as in most cases, is not pulled from the book of Acts, which is a transitional book, 
uh, even like this morning when we were talking about Israel, we pull the primary doctrine of what we need to know from the book of Romans, right? The, the theological thesis that God has given us. In the case of the deacon doctrine, we get it. Uh, we do see an example in Acts, but we really pull the, a lot of clarity from 1 Timothy chapter 3. And, uh, and the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul helped us understand how to both establish and uh, maintain the office of deacon as well as the office of a pastor. So in 1 Timothy 3, God established clear-cut qualifications for both bishops, which are overseers, we call them pastors, and deacons, uh, which are ministers. So it's evident in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1 that there is a distinction in the body between the saints in general and those who hold the office of deacon or bishop. And you can see that in the introduction in Philippians 1.1 1, 1, where Paul says, uh, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. And then he concludes with the bishops and uh, deacons. And so all the saints, obviously all the bishops and the deacons are all the saints. But not all the saints are bishops and deacons, right? They are called out. They're set apart as in these two offices uh, for the multiplication and ministry of the Word of God. So as Heartland Baptist Fellowship multiplies through discipleship and, God's a- and God adds souls to the body of Christ, he'll also provide bishops or pastors and deacons for the sole purpose of feeding the body so it can continue to bear fruit in Harrisonville, in Cass County, right, and all the counties around us, Bates, Henry, Jackson, uh, in the metro area of Kansas City. Um, you know, and all over the world and all the places in which God would have us uh, touch. So if you have your Bibles, I've already asked you to turn to 1 Timothy 3. It's time to dive in. And uh, I'm just going to pick this up really, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, let's, let's pick this up in verse, uh, let's, verse 8. Well, I'll go ahead and read all of it, but uh, I'm going to be brief. So this is a true saying, Paul says. Now he's going to talk about the pastors first. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not uh, how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Now we go to the deacon in verse 8, and this is really where I want to focus tonight. Verses 8 through 10, he says, Likewise, like what? Like everything we've read. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon, well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to... Uh, minister uh, about to da- the word tonight and talk about deacons, but also to literally install deacons, to uh, lay our hands upon them, to pray, uh, Lord, to in, in, uh, engage them in the office of a deacon. Thank you for your church, Lord. This is your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and we are so thankful for the, the gifts that you give to the body, uh, both in officers and, and regarding deacons and, and, and pastors, but also every member in particular is a gift. Lord, and we all work together in unity to accomplish your mission and your power for your glory. Because, Lord, ultimately you are supreme and you are the one that we're wanting to please. So, Lord, I pray, God, that the things that we do here would not just be formalities, that they wouldn't just be 
um, you know, things that we do um, out of ritual, Lord, because they're not. Lord, these are important aspects. These are things you've asked us to keep and do uh, in accordance with your word. And I pray, God, that we would honor you in the way that we go about it and that when we get caught up out of here one day soon, uh, Lord, that we will be, uh, have been able to say that we've done what you've called us to do, that we uh, ran our race, we finished our course, and you will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, we pray that, Lord, the things that we're doing here tonight, from the praise to the preaching to the, to the, to the testimonies to the praying, Lord, brings honor and glory to you, and Lord, advances your mission for your glory, and we just thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, in the time we have remaining, I just want to speak to you about the requirements of a deacon. And this is pretty elementary, but it's important that we cover that. First, you know, God takes our character seriously, both bishops, pastors, elders, and deacons, uh, ministers, and those who serve, everybody. God takes all of our character seriously. But he says in verse, uh, in verse 8, likewise, right, in 1 Timothy 3, 8, he ties the two together, both the bishops and the pastors. This is because both the, the bishop and the deacon are accountable to the judgment seat of Christ for their conduct in relation to the body of Christ. And, and so James warns us, uh, of the increased accountability that comes to the spiritual leader. In James 3.1, he says, Brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Because God takes our character seriously, we should take accountability seriously. Uh, the Bible is clear uh, that those who hold the office or ministries of service in the church will be held accountable. In Hebrews 13.17, the Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. As I pray, the things that we're doing here are things that we're going to give an account for at the judgment seat of Christ. And he says that they may do it with joy. We want to give an account with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The pastors and the deacons um, uh, are, do not rule in absolute authority. They are overseers. They rule under God's authority. So we are all under God's authority, um, and those that are greatest should be least, right? That's how what the Bible teaches. So the ministry is serious business, and it carries with it the eternal weight and glory. The pastor is accountable for Christ's flock, and I will give an account. And this is why ministry is much, much more than playing church, right? We don't do that around here. Um, and so this is serious business. People's souls are at stake. The mission of God's at stake. And by God's grace, he's entrusted us with that mission. So by the way, if you're a member of HBF or any other Bible-believing church, you're not working to be, uh, and you're not working to be a part of the solution, right? Then you're part of the, the problem, right? So we all have to work together because God wants us to bring glory to his name. So holding the office of a pastor or a deacon is not about trying. It's really about dying. Uh, being a deacon is not something we try to do. Uh, it's something we die to do. It's not trying to be godly. It is dying to self so that godliness is manifest. The best Christian is a dead Christian. That sounds horrible, I know, but the truth is that we are dead, our, our, we're dead in trespasses and sins before we get saved. Ephesians 2 makes it clear that we're quickened, right? And so the inner man is renewed day by day. But the outer man, right, Paul said, hey, I need to, I need to crucify the flesh. I need to, he must decrease, that's John the Baptist, he must de uh, I must decrease and he must increase. And so when I say that, the, that, a, that a, the best Christian is a dead Christian, it's only when we die to ourselves that we are capable of becoming the person Christ desires us to be. Leadership in the body of Christ is all about becoming a dead man that Christ quickens so Christ can save others through our lives. That's what it's all about. So all saints are responsible to manifest godly character. In the world, in the world, I'm sorry, is won by our godly conversation. In 1 Peter 1.15, the Bible says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Uh, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore, seeing, <coughs> seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. 
but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So all saints represent Christ everywhere, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us by himself, by Jesus Christ, and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. So all of us in here, if you're born again, are part of the ministry of, of uh, reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made, uh, he, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So all of us are on a mission uh, this evening. All saints are accountable to Christ at the judgment seat of Christ as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, the Bible says, We are confident, and I say, willing rather, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, uh, that whether we be present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust are made manifest in your consciences. All right, that's a lot of scripture to tell us that we're dead and we're renewed in Christ and we're ministers of re reconciliation with the word of reconciliation. But God has specific requirements, that's for all of us. So every, everything I just read, if you're born again, that applies to y'all. Everybody here is a member, if you're a member of the body of Christ, you should be a minister to, uh, to uh, the, the body of Christ and a reconciler to those in this world. But God has specific requirements for those who hold the office of deacon. The first thing that we see here is that a deacon must be grave, right? Must be grave. We don't use that word too often, but in 1 Timothy 3, 8, the Bible says, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to, to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. The definition of grave is simply to be honest, honorable. And if you check the same word out in Philippians 4, 8, the word honest is used. He says, Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, or the same Greek word there is grave. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It's virtuous to be grave. It's virtuous to be honest. Uh, we should all be about the truth because Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts 6.3, uh, Peter said the seven men presented should be of honest report. And that is uh, grave report. So you see, even in Acts 6, in that pattern that we started with initially, that, that Stephen and all those men that were selected as deacons in, the, in Acts chapter 6 in the church of Jerusalem were of honest report. They were of, a, we could have said grave report, but it wouldn't have sounded right. So Peter requested that the seven nominated would be of honest report. And if you're going to, be, uh, going to represent truth, you should be truthful and honest. So honesty is not just a good policy, it is the only policy for a minister of the gospel whether it be a pastor or a deacon or a member of the body of Christ. In 1 Timothy 3.8, it shows us the enemies of honesty. What are those? Well, number one, uh, not being double-tongued, right? Double-tongued. The tongue will set the house on fire. James 3 speaks of that. If any man offend not in, <laughs> not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body, James said. 
He goes on to say in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire and a world of iniquity. So the tongue is among our members that it defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Buildings can be burnt down, not with physical fire. Spiritual buildings are burnt down with the fire that comes from the tongue, right? A double tongue. The servant of God must be capable of controlling his or her tongue. If the deacon cannot control his tongue uh, or his wife, he has disqualified himself or herself, and they should be removed, right? And so that's important illustration, or not an important illustration, that's an important aspect of being an officer in God's, uh, of God's uh, church. There's an illustration I'd like to share. An example of being double-tongued is, is we love, as if we love people to their face and then tear them down behind their back. That doesn't honor God. So a double-tongued Christian is dishonest. That's dishonest. You say, well, I'm not dishonest. I don't lie. Well, that's dishonest if, you, if you're uh, duplicit in your relationships with people. And so in Acts 5, God killed Ananias and Sapphira for being double-tongued. What were they doing? They were pretending. They were pretending that they gave this to God. And in reality, they didn't, and they held back. And it wasn't that what they give, it was the fact that they were being duplicit, that they weren't being honest. So that's the first thing. That's, that wars against being grave and being honest, a double tongue. Another thing that, that wars against that is, uh, he says, don't be given to much wine. The man, <clears throat> the man given to wine opens himself up to temptation that will cause him hurt. In Proverbs 23, the Bible says in verse 29, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contention? Who hath babblings? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 4, the Bible says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment and of any of the afflicted. The judgment gets messed up when we get caught up in wine, right? So too much wine is a bad thing. By the way, if you're saved, you're a prince and a king, since Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. And so Revelation 1, 5 says, and from, uh, and from Jesus, who is fa- a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and, and his father. So all of us are kings and priests, and it's really not wise, it's not good to be given to wine. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, so not greedy of filthy lucre. Dishonest gain disqualifies you from being a deacon. This uh, passage also references our attitude toward money, right? It needs to be honest gain. So don't be greedy. Paul wrote to young Timothy and warned him of the love of money, right? It's the root of all evil, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. Having resources is not a sin, by the way. Having a lot of resources is not a sin. It's covetousness that is a sin. So in the Bible, uh, <clears throat> when it says to be ready to communicate, it means to give. We should be ready... Obviously, to communicate the gospel, that you ought to have a giving spirit. Deacons and pastors should have a giving spirit. Your heart will follow the investments of your resources, right? So where your treasure is, Matthew 6, uh, 21 says, there will your heart be also. So many will never care about the things of God because they never invest their time, their talent, and their treasure in the word of God. But the deacons that you have selected, uh, HBF, they definitely are people who have invested their life in the word of God and the souls of men. So a deacon must be an obedient giver, or he is disqualified. And so the next thing you see, point E, the deacon must have a pure conscience regarding doctrine taught in the Scripture. 1 Timothy 3.9 makes that clear. The mystery of the faith is not mysterious, but revealed. We just talked about that this morning. The deacon or the minister is responsible to know in good conscience the teaching of the mysteries. In 1 Corinthians 4, the Bible says this, 
Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Understanding the mysteries protects the servant of God from straying off course. And understanding the mysteries protects the servant from the attacks of those who will question his authority. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, you can count on that, as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation, your good lifestyle in Christ. For it is better if, if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil. So your, your testimony can be called into question, but it should not stick. People can always accuse, but the truth of the matter is our life ought to speak of the love of Christ and the truth of God's word being lived out. So do you know the seven mysteries? That's a question for everybody. I put them on your, on your sheet there so you don't have to answer that question as a no. You can look at them and learn them right now. The mystery of godliness is found in 1 Timothy 3.16. The mystery of Christ in you, Colossians 1.26, Ephesians 3.16. The mystery of Christ in the church, Ephesians 5.32. The mystery of Israel's restoration. Uh, we just talked about that this morning. The mystery of the gathering of the church in the clouds or the catching away. The word rapture comes from that word catching away. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. We're to be stewards of these mysteries. The mystery of iniquity, the person of Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. Um, and uh, we've been talking about that on Sunday morning as well. And the mystery of Babylon religion. I've been dancing around that on Sunday morning. I haven't really hit that one head on. But those are mysteries that, that, uh, we, should be, that we are stewards of. Me as a pastor, the deacons ought to also have a good conscience and be able to answer those questions. And if the man is not solid on the fundamentals of the faith, he's not ready to deep. Not yet, anyway, and that's okay. A man must understand the church's role in his community, this earth, and its eternal impact before he's ready to serve. Take a look at Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7. We touched on that this morning. He was killed for preaching the mysteries of, the Jew, to the, the mysteries of Christ to the Jewish leadership. There's a price to pay for preaching pure doctrine. And so when you're serving the Lord and you're preaching pure doctrine, there will be a price. And, and that doesn't mean you're the preacher. You could be the deacon, just like Stephen. If a man does not have a pure conscience, he will not be able to stand in the midst of spiritual warfare. If a man cannot stand in the midst of spiritual warfare, the body of Christ will suffer. In Acts 24, 16, the Bible says this, Paul speaking, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of all things toward God and toward men. Deacons, wherever you may be, you're kind of spread about. I want to charge you uh, to guard your hearts and keep yourselves pure because the adversary wants to knock you out, uh, and uh, that's the truth. He wants to accuse you day and night. And so deacons must be proved before being appointed. Uh, the time of proving, <clears throat> or I'm sorry, time proves all things. These men have, have a proven track record of faithfulness. By the way, if you're a deacon or a deacon nominee, let's just stand just so people can see who I'm talking about. Just stand right now. This is not in my notes. So we got everybody. We have two deacons that are absent. Mitch is on vacation. And out of town, and Lance was going to be here, but Lance is ill, so he did not come tonight. So thank you. you may be seated. Thank you. You'll be. Uh, the, well, you'll hear from three of these deacons here in just a moment. Um, and so Paul told Timothy to be careful to prove uh, to prove the men prior to laying hands on them. Uh, that doesn't matter if it's a pastor or a deacon. I know I've been in situations in churches. I've actually known men that have been installed in the office of a deacon, and they were way premature. They were baby Christians. They, they weren't able to handle it. And not only did it hurt them, it hurt the church. 
In 1 Timothy 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality, laying hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. So that rules out the biggest givers, right? It's not just because they're the, it's the biggest givers. That's why we don't do it that way. We do it based on the word of God. We do it based on character and those people that look like Christ and are like Christ. Paul, Paul, Timothy, myself, will have to give an account to Jesus for the men that we appoint. The pastors tonight, they're going to lay hands. They're going to signify their authority on these men. And, that is gonna, and we're going to give account at the judgment seat of Christ. So we don't do that lightly. We do that uh, with all fear and reverence, understanding we believe these men are good men. We believe these men will carry uh, the charge of the gospel to go forward. They'll be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be faithful to their wife. They'll be faithful to their families. They'll be faithful to the church family. And uh, God will get the glory. Paul, Timothy, and, oh, I already said that. So we're all going to give an account. And uh, so deacons should be deking before they ever acknowledge. Uh, <coughs> deacons should be deking before they're ever acknowledged. This isn't something new. The reason we have confidence tonight as we lay hands on our deacons is because we've already been watching them deep. And I want to commend the church of HBF because HBF, you guys select good men. It's easy to install deacons when the church has a good, a good understanding of the men they're installing and select good men. Fidelity and blamelessness is the theme of bishops and deacons. So deacons must be the husbands of one wife. Verse 12 makes that very clear. There is much debate over what it means for deacons and bishops to be the husband of one wife. But the basic question is simply this. Are deacons to be the husband of one wife or the husband of one wife at a time? The Catholic Church teaches heresy in this regard as they say that this passage cannot be interpreted literally since it's referring to the priest being married to the universal uh, or the Catholic Church. The view must be rejected since it, since it has no basis in Scripture. The book of Leviticus helps us with a pattern here in Leviticus chapter uh, 21 and verse 13. Uh, to see that this, the Levites were to be the husbands of one wife and a virgin or a widow of another priest, right? So it wasn't that a, 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 a deacon, or I'm sorry, I'm talking about a Levite, a priest could be married twice if, his, if he was widowed. He just had to have a virgin or a widow of another priest. So in, in our context, it's one wife at a time. Obviously, a, a deacon can be widowed uh, and then, of course, remarry and still maintain the office of a deacon. So I gave you a couple references there, Leviticus 21, 13, and Ezekiel 44 and verse 22, but we're not going to turn to those tonight. You can look those up. So basically, the New Testament writing is clear in 1 Timothy and Titus that the bishop and deacon is to be a one-woman man. I don't believe we can hold a man to this standard prior to salvation. That's also a question that comes up. But we certainly should not expect a bishop or deacon to have their marriage covenant broken by anything uh, but death. Okay, So that also puts a cloud over things uh, after a man is saved. Uh, although even then there's, there's exceptions probably. But for the most part, we should always see uh, every deacon, every pastor as a one-woman man. If a bishop is not faithful to his bride, then how do you expect him to be faithful to the bride of Christ? And so in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 12, the Bible does not teach that a deacon must be married or have children. So conversely, a man doesn't have to be married to serve in the office of a deacon. Uh, if that were the case, then Paul wouldn't have been able to serve as a, as a leader and as an apostle since he was single, or Timothy. We never hear of his wife or his children, though he may have been married. We don't know. The same standard applies to deacons. Paul never, never said they had to be married, but if they, did, if they were married, they had to have fidelity to their wife and they had to have fidelity to their children. As a matter of fact, he said it might be better not to get married so you can serve the Lord uh, more freely. So being single has its advantages for the gospel's sake. 
So the deacon must rule his house well. There's room in here for the man to be real, right? Don't expect your deacon to be completely perfect, but, but you do, he does need to know, know how to rule his house well. Uh, and so if a man is not leading his home spiritually, he's not fit to lead the house of God. And so the deacon, by the way, this is getting toward the end, but this is one of these questions that's getting more and more needful to, to tell you. The deacon is to be a man. And so the deacon is to be a man. Even though the Greek, Greek word for deacon is applied to women in the New Testament, there is nowhere that it applies to the office of a deacon. So everyone should serve. There's no problem with that. Everyone should deep. When it comes to the offices, they're reserved for men. And that goes back to the garden. And that's why gender, a gender-bending church uh, will end up perverting the structure of God uh, that God intended for protecting of the flock, and it will give place to the devil. It's nothing, it has nothing to do with equality. It has everything to do with how God created uh, the different body parts to minister. And it has to do also with protecting and cherishing and honoring. So what is the role of a deacon's wife? Well, I'm glad you asked. We found it right there in the text. I'm not going to go on about that, but it does say uh, in the text, uh, in verse 11, even so must their wives be grave. So they need to be honest, not slanderers. That root word for slander is, is related to the word serpent. They need to be sober, faithful in some things. No, faithful in all things, right? So that is all that's said of the wives, and uh, that is enough. And so this evening, we have defined the requirements for a deacon. And let's, let me review them quickly with you. I think I have them on your sheet. A deacon must be grave or honest and honorable. A deacon must be not be, I'm sorry, must not be double-tongued, must not be given to much wine, and must not be greedy or filthy lucre. So two, three, and four are all the negative things that they're not to be. And then five tells us a deacon is to know the mysteries of the faith, or to understand those mysteries, those seven mysteries that are listed on that sheet. A deacon is to be proved. A deacon is to be blameless. A deacon is to be the husband of one wife. And a deacon is to be a good father. A deacon is to be the spiritual leader of his house and rule it well. And a deacon is to be a man. Whew, got through that. I'm over by about five. And so uh, this evening, uh, we are so honored uh, to have uh, this candidate of deacons that stood. And at this time, I'd like to acknowledge uh, our existing deacons who will be returning um, and then introduce to you the new ones that will be uh, sharing their testimony. So earlier, Brian and Carmen Johnson uh, stood. Brian is here, and, and we'll be inviting you guys up here after a while and, and uh, install you guys. Uh, they've served faithfully. This is your second tour of duty, I think. And so through COVID and all those things, you guys have done a tremendous job. They've done a great job of caring for some of our widows. And, uh, man, I tell you what, we appreciate you guys and all that you are and all that you do. Rex Fugate and Diane Fugate, uh, man, you guys, same thing. You guys have excellent testimony and have done the same thing. Uh, caring for so many, uh, so conscious of the body, as are many of you. I mean, we're, not, we're not playing favorites, but it's, they've done an honorable job in the office of a deacon. And then sadly, Lance Yoder, he's not here tonight because he's ill. And you know why he's not here? Because he's worried about you. He doesn't want anyone to get sick. He's super gracious and so careful uh, and then so good through COVID. Uh, man, that guy, he was so, con he, he was very concerned about everybody. And, and, and actually in a meeting, I'll never forget, we had a Zoom meeting. Uh, I don't, some of you pastors are probably on it. I don't remember. We had a lot of people on this meeting, and we were ready to have a Lord's Supper out in the parking lot, and I was go, 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 and it kind of got real quiet, and Lance finally said, uh, Brian, and you know, I thought, I remember when he did that. I said, man, thank you. That's a man right there. Uh, everybody was just in lockstep. We were going, and, and I, I, if you know me, I'm all about going, and then he spoke up and said, hey, I, I'm not sure that's a good idea, uh, and he had some good he had some really good wisdom. 
And uh, I was after that was over, we we kicked that whole idea to the curb. We didn't have a, the Lord's Supper in the parking lot like we were planning. And uh, to my, you know, I obviously wanted to do it, uh, but He actually brought a perspective uh, that I hadn't thought of that I needed to hear. And uh, and He did it in the midst of a bunch of of excitement to go forward. And uh, I'll never forget that. And I thought, man, that that is the kind of man we need. Uh, he wasn't disrespectful. He wasn't, you know. He would have done whatever. The first thing he said, Brian, whatever you guys want to, whatever you want to do, we're going to do it. But would you consider this? And uh, I was thinking, man, the Lord, thank you for a wise deacon and a man who uh, was willing to say and speak up in a very difficult moment. And I appreciated that. So uh, that's exciting. We have some good deacons. Lance and Chloe have been faithful. Uh, they've raised their kids in our church, uh, and they have good kids. All these, it's amazing, uh, the fruit that they have just in their family. And so we love them dearly as well. And so our new deacons will be Luke Fleshman and Brenda Fleshman. And so they have the clan over here, the, the Fleshman clan, part two. The first, uh, Steve couldn't be here tonight, by the way. I need to mention that. Uh, Lance wanted to be here. He wanted me to mention that. He's sorry he couldn't be here. Steve is celebrating his, uh, his father's 85th birthday. And so, man, and his wife is still here with us. So that says something right there. So we appreciate Angie as well. Um, going from the pastor to the son. So Luke Luke is uh, uh, Steve Fleshman's son, Steve and Angie's son, and uh, his wife, Brenda. They've been faithful here for many years. Chris and uh, Lauren Cohen, uh, not Stovall. Uh, so they have recently married, so we have to be careful on those last names. And, uh, and so uh, we're so glad to have you guys. You've been so faithful. They're stewarding a lot of the ministry, VBS, Harvest Party, working in the children's ministry, doing a great job. We have Jim Stovall. Uh, and so Jim and Sherry Stovall, they've been members of church for many, many years and served faithfully. They're just behind the scenes, uh, just humble people, very capable, very everything you want to see in a deacon, that's what you have with Jim and Sherry Stovall. So we're so thankful that God's brought you to our church, and you guys have all been serving so faithfully. And last but not least is Mitchell Newland. Uh, Mitchell uh, is on vacation, as I said, and he wanted to be here tonight. He couldn't make it, obviously, but uh, <coughs> Mitchell had all that planned in advance, and he wanted me to let you guys know as well that, uh, you know, his heart is with us, and uh, he is very uh, excited to take on the office of a deacon. He will be here next week. Next Sunday morning, we will present all the deacons before the congregation uh, as they're officially installed and in place, and so he will be here. But at this time, I'd like to take uh, just a, a little time, and I promise you guys 15 minutes each, you get it. So if we go a little over, that's on me, not you. And so take the, the time that God has given to you, and I'd like to just have the deacons come up. I, I announced that Luke, Chris, and, and Jim, so we'll just go in that order. I think that's probably, it's not quite youngest, the oldest, but it's almost. So uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and ask that Luke and, and Chris and then Jim come and share their testimonies tonight in a, in a, a briefly, and then after that, we'll continue on with the service and the installation. appreciate Brian pointing out that I'm not the youngest of the deacons, so Chris has me beat by, I don't know, three or four or five years. I don't know. I don't even know how old you are. But uh, So Brian just asked us to share a little testimony, and I wasn't sure exactly what uh, that meant. But as I look around, I don't necessarily know everyone in here. So um, my, my name is Luke Fleshman. I'm, my wife and I have been married uh, for several years now. We've been at this church since 2012. And uh, since then, we've been, we kind of started working in the children's wing and kind of worked our way up. Um, but like Brian also mentioned my dad's been a pastor here for, I don't know, since 20, when did, we don't know, 
oh five or oh six Ron Sam from the back there, so uh, something like that. But anyways, uh, I, I grew up in church. I, I've been in church since almost since I can remember. Uh, we started out at uh, Kansas City Baptist Temple up in Raytown and uh, kind of worked our way uh, around different parts of the parts of the Kansas City area. But um, I just I mean I always remember growing up in church and and uh, so it's just it's an honor to be uh, installed as a deacon and uh, certainly it's not. I don't know that any of the deacons would necessarily say that they are aspiring to be a deacon or anything like that. And um, but I do remember, you know, growing up, I do remember experiencing uh, deacons in, in many of the different churches that we were in. And uh, just kind of after Brian had asked us to speak, uh, a name popped into my head that I really hadn't thought about this guy in I don't know ten or fifteen years before. But uh, and I'm actually not a hundred percent sure he was a deacon, but. Like we say around here a lot of times, you know, we, you're, you're doing the job of a deacon before you are actually a deacon. And so uh, this guy did the job of a deacon at our uh, church that we went to in Overland Park. His name was Mike Kristanzik. And uh, I don't know, I just always remember my, uh, my dad was, I think my dad was a deacon at that church for a while as well. But uh, I just remember my dad speaking highly of this guy, Mike. And uh, one of the things that he always pointed out about him was just, He's like, you know, he's the first one to show up and he's the last one to leave. And he's just always serving and always doing uh, doing something. You know, he's he's setting up chairs at that at that time. Our our church was meeting in a school. And so, you know, you got a lot of set up and tear down and all these different types of things. And and so I remember from I was probably a teenager uh, when we were at, or I was a teenager when we were at that church. And I just remember from that, you know, fairly young age, uh, the importance of service. And, uh, you know, like Brian was talking about this morning about you know, kids and their dads, and, you know, my dad always thought highly of people who served and who, uh, you know, did the things maybe that people don't recognize, and um, I actually remember as I was sitting over here just now, I remember Bob Hall was talking, it was one of the times he preached up here, uh, maybe in the last few years, but uh, Bob was talking about how he, you know, uh, used to vacuum the stage, and he just never really thought about being the one to be up here to preach and speak, and uh, that's kind of how I feel. I, I don't necessarily feel like you know, I'm the best speaker or I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, great at a lot of things. But uh, one of the things that kind of was ingrained in me as, as a young child, as a teenager, was uh, just to, to be about service and to be looking for opportunities to serve. And um, so that's, that's kind of what we try to do, my wife and I try to do uh, here at HBF. And, and uh, so I, I really appreciate, um, you know, the people, you guys deciding uh, to, to give, you know, me this position. And I certainly don't necessarily feel like I deserve it, but I appreciate it. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. So, Christopher. Good evening, good evening. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, well, Pastor Brian asked us to uh, share a little bit of our testimony, so that's what I'm going to go ahead and do. Uh, I think some of us... Some of you may have heard my testimony. I had the opportunity to share um, a few years ago at Church in the Park, and and so, but but since then, God's done so much, and uh, I can't even name all the things that God has done in my life since that point. But you know, I started out in life. Uh, I didn't. I grew up. I didn't really grow up in church uh, like Luke did. You know, didn't really have that to look forward to. And you know, we used to live in Kansas City, and we moved to Garden City when I was around thirteen, and. We moved to a small town that just, there's just not a lot to do. You know, you just kind of grow up and do your own thing. Small town of 1,500 people, and 
So at a young age, I uh, I got involved in, in a lot of bad things in life, you know. Uh, I got involved in a lot of drugs and, and uh, become addicted to drugs and everything. So I started out smoking marijuana at 13, started drinking, start, started taking pills. Uh, just every opportunity I had, I, I would just uh, engross myself in that. And that, that was my life. I, would, I was a partier. And even though I was doing good in high school, it was just, that's who I was. And uh, I later became addicted to uh, opi- opioids. And uh, I, I was living a life of crime. And I was living a life of just complete sin. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to glorify that. That's not something that I'm proud of, you know. But it brought me to a point where uh, I, di- I, man, it's tough. So I, I was, like you could say, probably one of the world's dumbest criminals. I, uh, for real, if I was, if you ever seen that show, World's Dumbest Criminals, that was me. Uh, I was not in my right state of mind, and and uh, I committed a crime. I committed a felony at the age of 19, uh, and I had just tons of just things piling up, and I get locked up at 19, and uh, I remember I'm detoxing pretty bad, and man, just I'm in a bad way. I remember thinking. You know, this is this is my life. You know, this is who I am now. I'm I'm a felon, I'm, and uh, you know, my grandma, uh, praise the Lord for her. Uh, she's she's already with the Lord now. But my grandma writes me this letter, and she says, you know, she's talking about things like I need to get right with the Lord, and I need to repent, and I need to, you know, I I didn't really understand a lot of that. I knew my grandma was a Christian, and, and I knew that she loved God, but I I always believed in God, but. I never had a relationship with him, and uh, about two or three weeks after being locked up in Cass County Jail here, a guy, this is, I know this is a God thing, you know, I know how God works in people's life, and this is only something that you can see in a movie. This guy comes up to me out of nowhere, and uh, he just says, hey, you got a Bible? I said, no, I, I don't have a Bible. He said, I'm going to go get you one. Okay, that's fine. I can, I, he comes back, he brings me this Bible. And he says, I want you to read Psalms 119. Okay, what do I got to lose, you know? I know I'm in a bad way. I know I don't have much to look forward to. I'm probably going to prison. And he says, uh, just just read it tonight. And I'm in my cell by myself. And I'm reading through Psalms 119. And I get to verse 71. And it says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And it was at that moment, I just I just cried out to God in the best way I knew how. I just asked him into my life, and I was tired of the craziness that I was doing and all the messed up stuff I was doing, hurting my family, uh, hurting myself. I just wanted to live for God then, and I cried out to him. And I know he came through some jail cell and through the walls, and he came to my heart. And ever since that moment, I've been living for him. And so just to kind of kind of fast forward a little bit, I, I had the opportunity to be baptized. I went off to, I went off to prison. And uh, I was going to um, an amazing uh, King James Bible-believing uh, church service there. It was just a really cool thing. And uh, they were talking about baptism. And it was something that, you know, you should do after you got saved. And, you know, it was an obedience to God. And God was just calling me to it. And uh, so I got baptized also while I was in, uh, incarcerated. And uh, I was just growing. I was just trying to learn. And, and, you know, God was doing a lot of things in my life. So this is the really the amazing thing with this is with my crime, I was – Set, hundred percent. There was I was not supposed to get out. I was supposed to do eleven and a half years. 
I wasn't supposed to be, I was still supposed to be locked up, you know. And uh, I just remember every time I called my grandma, she was such an encouragement to me. She, I would, every time I call her, she'd say, Chris, you know you're going to get out of there early. I'm praying for you every day. You're getting out of there early. And, uh, I, and it was one of the things that she always said. She said, uh, why worry when you can pray, right? And that's just, that's always stuck with me. And so she wasn't able to see uh, the, the fruit of this from this side of heaven, but she had passed before all this came about. So in 2014, I, I go in front of the parole board, and, and uh, you know, they review everything. And when I get my answer back, they said I, I was getting out 2016 in September. And I really just couldn't wrap my mind around around it because of the severity of my crime. I was set to do 11 and a half years at 19. I knew in my heart I was not getting out till I was 30 years old. But God let me out early. And I think he did that for a reason. I think he had something more planned to allow me out because right now <laughs> I'm still actually currently on parole. And, and, and I remember when Pastor Brian sends me this email that says, You've been nominated for a deacon. I, I reread this, and I'm like, I'm like, hold on, is this a mistake? Because I'm thinking, oh, this is for the, just the deacon nominations. And I'm like, well, we had already did that. So I reread it. I'm like, no way. I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm nominated. I'm like, what? I, it's just so humbling. I really can't even fathom that I have not even been out of prison for not even five years. And I have the opportunity to serve the body of Christ like this. It's really just an amazing, amazing thing. And so my past life, I, I, don't, I don't like to glorify because God has turned it all the way around. He's redeemed the time so much more than I can ever imagine. And, and he's allowed me to, to grow here at Heartland and to get discipled. And I just want to share a little uh, testimony on my discipleship. So I had an opportunity to have uh, the discipleship lesson sent to me, actually, when I was incarcerated. And I was going through them on my own, one-on-one, just by myself, you know, just when I got out, you know, like, oh, you got, you know, you'll sign up for discipleship. I'm like, no, I already, I already did that. I don't need to do that. No, well, you, well discipleship is, is more than that. And God really just worked on my heart that, you know, it was something I needed to do. And so I was able to get discipled. Uh, the, Pat Lee discipled me. He's here tonight. Uh, and we went through discipleship in about a year and just be able to get trained up and c- to continue that is just an amazing thing that God has grown me so much. And I, I really just pray that I'm able to use that to glorify him. And so in that time, in this short amount of time of being out, um, I've, man, have an amazing job. I get out right away. I get a vehicle. I get my license back. Uh, shortly, uh, not too long after that, I'm in, in a courtship with my future wife. And then we get married. And we haven't even been married two years. And, and I, I, I can't even tell you. Uh, just how amazing God is. And so if you if you don't know him tonight, I, I pray that everybody here is saved. I, I really do think that. But if you don't know him tonight, that if you haven't had that time where you've just called out to him like I did and just bowed your heart, you have to do that because I'm telling you, no matter what you've gone through, he can redeem the time. And I'm just uh, really thankful. I just want to thank my wife. I want to thank my family. My family's here tonight. Uh, that uh, And all of, all of HBF. Pastor Brian, all the pastors, all my fellow deacons that I'm able to serve with, I'm just really thankful. I'm really humble. And, and I, I, I was telling Pastor Steve this on Friday night that, you know, something that I have to make sure to be careful of because how easy is it to be lifted up with pride? 
and that's something that I don't want to do, and that my focus is to serve the body with everything I have, and because it, it's what, what God has done for me, and so I just want to give back to the body as much as I can, and so I just want to thank everybody for being here, and I, I'm really, I really love everybody here, and I just hope everybody just stays, has a rest of a good night. Thank you. love that guy. My son-in-law. Very proud. Um, well, I think most of you know me as well. Um, my name's Jim Stovall. Been coming here for around 10 years, I believe. Um, that's where it starts. Pretty cool. But, um, it's just such a huge honor to be nominated and, and to accept this, this offer. And I just suppose very well. Uh, when I first got the email from Brian, it was, wow, it is really an honor. It's a huge way. Now tonight, after hearing even more about this weekend offer, it's just like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy. And, uh, but I will you know, do my absolute best uh, to fill up the short. Uh, a little about me. You may, you may not know my background, but I was born and raised out in East Independence. Uh, I went to Willis Ace High School uh, with Ryan Lanwell, Go Indians. Um, I, I grew up, my parents were just awesome parents. I'm the oldest of three boys. I grew up in a very, very good, loving family. They provided everything I needed, but we didn't go to church. And I really knew nothing about church and religion or anything like that. Uh, some of my fondest memories of church was uh, I went to a VBS once when I was around 10. And I just thought, man, these people are just so nice and loving. And it just really made an impact in my mind how, how nice they are. But we didn't go to church. Um, then fast forward, I, you know, my teen years, I got playing guitar. I got into a lot of rock bands, rock music, you know, some light drugs and things like that. Uh, because of that, I was, I had this overarching fear of death. Um, I was so afraid to die as a teenager. It was probably all the Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and everything else that was that was feeding in my head. And I was playing the songs, and it was just bad. Well. Whenever I was a senior, I had study hall, <laughs> and I sat by this beautiful girl, my wife, Sherry. So we just, God just put us in that same room. She, uh, she carried her Bible to, to school. It was a public school, so she was very brave in that way. Uh, it was very intriguing to me. Like, wow, this, this lady carrying a Bible, and she kept scanning the Bible. So anyway, so she agreed to go on a date with me, which is just, just shocking. Um, and when we were starting to date, her parents said, I must go to church if you're going to date my daughter, because they were a church-going family. I said, okay, I'll go to church. So I went to church with her, and after about six months, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit just was just working me over, you know, and I was afraid to die and all this kind of stuff. It was all coming to a head. So I really surrendered my life to Christ after six months of, of hearing the gospel when I was 19. Uh, we got married shortly thereafter, and we... You know, raised two kids. We've been in a lot of churches over the years. Uh, we spent five or six years at KCBT, uh, where we went through Discipleship 1, Discipleship 2, and, and then we end up down here. And and actually, when we started coming here at HBF in 2010-ish, I didn't know that this was uh, kind of a, a, a plant from 
Bethlehem City Baptist Temple, but I would hear Brian preaching, and I remember telling my my son specifically, like, this guy knows more than most of the pastors, because he knows Clarence Larkin stuff, I can tell. Because I can just tell by your wording that you you were there. So so we started coming here, and uh, we just absolutely, I love this church, I love the people, I love serving y'all, I love everything about this place, and it's such a huge, huge honor for me to actually be a deacon here, so uh, really worth going to Christ, and especially with these guys, you know, Rex, Brian, Chris, my son-in-law, I mean, how cool is that to be a deacon with my son-in-law, so anyway, that's me, that's, that's where I come from, so thanks again. Thanks, Tim. You guys did good. Yeah, man, that was good. Appreciate these guys. And, and I know Mitch would love to be here and present as well. Um, so, Mark, you get to come up. No, I'm just kidding. Mark's like, what? His, his mom and dad are here tonight. And uh, you're representing well. Or he's representing you well. That's however it works. But uh, uh, Mitch is, uh, man, he's a... Uh, in the Pass Point Fellowship, but he also serves over the uh, children's ministry. And we've seen a lot of growth in Mitch and Jody over the last, you know, several years as they've come in, uh, been discipled. They've submitted, and more than just submit, they're zealous for the Lord. Uh, they're eager. All these, they lead up, they head up a lot of what you see in the wing from the kingdom seekers when there's something that needs to be filled in. Uh, as he likes to say, one of his favorite phrases is, I, you know, it's good to embrace the suck or something like that. But uh, anyway, he uh, what it means, what he, let me translate that for you, is, uh, is he just says, hey, I just, I'll just do whatever it takes. And if it's uh, difficult and, and not very sexy, I'm going to do it anyway because just, I'm just going to embrace it and get it done. And uh, that's kind of the attitude he has. Uh, but he also, he and Jody both, they do that with great joy. Uh, it is not a burden uh, to them. It's a privilege and an honor. And that's anyone who's in ministry, as you can hear from these men, um, and I know their wives would say the same, it's an honor to serve. And, you know, you hear that and people are like, okay, but no, it really is. It's an honor to serve the body of Christ. And so in any position or whether it's titled or not titled, it's an honor to serve. And uh, and you can tell by the lives of these men and uh, their wives that they love God and they love one another. So, um, and so <coughs> at this time, I'm going to ask that um, we transition and do the business. Uh, I can't believe, let me check here. Yeah, we are, uh, we're like ahead of schedule. So praise the Lord. Thank you guys. for That's what a deacon does. They make up for my long preaching. So sorry they can't do anything on Sunday morning uh, to pull me out of the pulpit on time. But at any rate, uh, uh, at this time, I'd like to go ahead and, and uh, invite uh, our pastors. I'm going to do this first. Have our pastors stand up because uh, they're going to be coming up here, but our pastors are so faithful. This is our pastoral team, and uh, maybe you're, I know we have guests here, and uh, they, I appreciate everything that they do, and I'm going to ask the pastors come on up, and uh, here in just a moment, we're going to ask the deacons to come up, and then we're going to officially uh, install y'all. As they're coming up, I want to get, I want to charge the congregation before I charge the deacons, um, and I want to charge you to support our deacons in their official duties as charged by God and the pastors of this church. And so we should, uh, you should make sure that, um, that you do that, right? I just gave a biblical charge from the word of God, but we as a body of Christ, we need to make sure that we pray for these that we're going to appoint, that we, uh, that we support them in their ministry to support us. 
And so with that, I'd like to invite the deacons and their wives uh, kind of to come to the platform. And uh, then we will pray over these deacons. And then after that, we will uh, have the reception. So if the deacons can come on up. If we, yeah, don't have to be careful of social distancing. Okay. Thank you, guys. Good. I don't want to offend anybody. All right. So, all right. Well, uh, HBF, this are, these are your 2021 deacons. So, I just want to thank you guys. You and all, you guys as couples, as I've already said, you're incredible. You're great. You're a great collection. Great representation is a better word of the grace of God upon our church. And uh, I just, you know, you guys are thankful and honored. I'm thankful and honored uh, to serve with you guys. You have a lot of integrity. Um, You just represent Jesus well. And so when the congregation selects deacons, um, they do the selecting. We do the installing. But when I saw the list, uh, and that would include Mitchell, of course, and Lance, I was so pleased. You know, it was just, it's just easy makes it easy. It's God's grace, and God's grace is upon this, so I appreciate you guys and your faithfulness to Christ, your faithfulness to, to one another, your faithfulness to your families, and your faithfulness and fidelity to the body of Christ. So with that, uh, we'll go ahead and pray over you, and uh, I'm just going to start, uh, and let's just do every one of us pastors, and we'll work ourselves around. I'll start. We'll work with Lynn Jeff, and we'll come, and end with uh, Jason. So uh, as a matter of fact, I think I'll end it with me. I'll start with Jeff, and then... Uh, We'll have Jeff start us off. Holy Father, <clears throat> we're gathered here as a body and um, getting ready to um, recognize and install these uh, gentlemen into this office of a deacon. Uh, Lord, um, I love what uh, Chris said, that uh, he wants to guard his heart from becoming lifted up and becoming prideful. And I know these gentlemen, Lord, and, and I know, Father, that that's the, their same attitude as well because uh, they love you. They want to serve your body. So I do pray, Lord, that uh, you would put your hand of protection upon them, upon their wives, upon their families, Father, because we know that they're going to be the target of the enemy. And I just pray, Lord, you would protect them and keep them safe, Father, and most of all, guard their hearts, Lord. Guard their hearts. Keep them, keep them sound. Keep them pure so that they would be good servants. We thank you and praise you for these men. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Father in heaven, we just we just thank you for, for your church and deacons that we have a church that it is all about and our business and our serving you, Lord. And we just thank you for, for each one of these men. I've personally watched some of these men grow up, and uh, I just thank you for them. I thank you for their service. Uh, they just didn't start serving you. Uh, yesterday, Lord, they've been serving you for quite some time. So we do thank you for their service and the service for their wives. And we just thank you that they are our co-laborers in Christ. They are they're our friends. They they are people that we we will count on and we can trust. And Lord, we just pray for them. We pray that you would give them uh, good health, that you would help them to grow in wisdom, that they would be continue to be 
people of prayer and people of service to, to uh, love you and, and show Christ in everything they do. So we just bring them up today. Just charge them to continue to do what they've been doing. And we just pray, Lord, that you would bless them. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for, first and foremost, your son that gives us a model that we can uh, follow, Lord, to, to follow after you and to seek your heart. Lord, I, I do thank you for these men, for their wives, for their families, that they, they seek to serve you first and foremost, and, and by doing so, serving your body. Lord, I, I pray that you would strengthen them through your word. Lord, we, we know that it's, it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle um, that is in the, in the mind, Lord, and I pray that you would uh, draw them, as I know you will, to your word, and that they would be obedient to be faithful in your word. Lord, that they would uh, be equipped with, with spiritual armor, Lord, that they would... Um, be mindful of the salvation that you've given them and be girt about with, with truth, Lord, that they would shod their feet um, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Lord, that they would, um, that they will would hold um, the, the shield of faith, Lord, uh, in you and trusting in you, Lord, that they would um, take your, your, uh, your spirit, Lord, uh, I mean, your, your, uh, your sword, uh, sword of the spirit, and uh, that they would um, not only understand it and digest it, but live it out, uh, that their loins would be girt about with truth, Lord. And I pray that you would protect their minds, protect their families, that you would guide them, that, that they would be uh, your disciples and, and leading others, that as we follow you in making disciples, Lord, that they would help that work in taking care of the body. Lord, we, we thank you for uh, your direction and for giving them to the body uh, as they serve. Lord, um, we pray that um, in the days to come that uh, you would find them as good and faithful servants. Lord God, you are good to us, Lord. We thank you for uh, the blessings that you bestow on uh, this church. Lord, we thank you for the model. Um, of the church and, and these men just uh, really uh, being um, just selfless, Lord, just uh, really um, giving themselves uh, over to the ministry, Lord, just uh, um, it's, it's their reasonable service and uh, they, just, they just lay it down and their wives uh, likewise and, and Lord, we do pray for them, uh, we pray that you would uh, give them strength, uh, give them wisdom, uh, give them discernment, uh, Lord, uh, we pray for their wives and that you would uh, just allow them to support uh, their husbands and, and to minister along with them. And we pray for their children and uh, that you would just protect them and uh, protect the family unit um, as the adversary will uh, attack, Lord. And Lord, I pray for uh, the body, uh, that we would support these men, that we would um, uh, that we would use these men, that they would uh, just uh, serve the office well. Uh, Lord, these... Uh, these men are, are, are seasoned. This isn't something new for them. They've been doing it behind the scenes. And, and Lord, I pray that you just continue to allow them uh, to do it. Um, I pray that you would just continue to strengthen their relationship with you, uh, that they would continue to draw uh, close to you, that they would uh, just uh, serve their families well, that they would uh, 
really just uh, uh, live um, the life that um, that you teach them, and and Lord, I do uh, just uh, uh, pray that you would get all the the, the grace and the honor uh, from the from the labor and the service that they do for you, and that none of it would be for their own glory. Lord, I uh, just uh, continue to uh, lift these men up to you in the service that they do. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the Lord Jesus. We're thankful for these men and their wives. Lord, we uh, they represent for us you. They they are a gift to this body. They're faithful. They've been serving. They're being fed. Lord, they they've been in the Word of God. They've girded up the loins of their mind. They've been praying, praying. They've uh, they've had good fidelity. Lord, they've they've not been double tongued. Lord, they they they've modeled in advance things that you've already listed on that list in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And Heavenly Father, we are uh, just thankful for these men. Lord, we pray your blessing upon each and every one of them and their wives. Lord, we ask that you would just have your good hand upon them. Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. Father, that you would that you would just, uh, just honor them with, uh, Lord, a double blessing of, of your spirit. And Lord, that you would protect and keep them. And all that they are and all that they do, Lord, we pray, God, that, that uh, Lord, you would be blessed with our decision to install these men in the office of the deacon, that you would use these men and their wives to protect your church, Lord, to serve your church, Lord, to continue to uh, multiply your church. Lord, I pray, God, we'd be faithful to add to the body daily, that we would uh, share the gospel, Lord, that, the, that we as pastors that have just prayed over these men would be diligent to do our, our part in studying God's word and be faithful in teaching and preaching the word of God. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be praying for them and the widows that they serve and the body of Christ that they serve and the, the, the functions that you have for them. Lord, I pray, God, that there would be a great ease in our relationships uh, between one another, that the spirit of God would lubricate our relationships, that communication would be open, that would be free-flowing. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that we would love you and love one another. Lord, I pray for these uh, these wives, Lord, who uh, support their men. And as it said, there, there's no good men without a good wife, and that's true. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these women. Lord, I thank you for the weight that they bear in their relationships with their husbands and their families and in this church. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you just bless each and every one of them mightily. Lord, that you bless their families. Lord, that you bless their homes. Lord, and I thank you for their blessing to this home, this church home, and what it means to all of us. Lord, I pray, God, that uh, you would bless these pastors that have prayed. I pray, God, that you would bless your saints and the bishops and deacons at Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Lord, may we be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation that shines brighter and brighter in the coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be ready for your appearing. Lord, may we be right with you, right with one another, and helping everyone get right with you and one another before you come. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you uh, for this opportunity even now, to live out the word of God. We thank you for the grace and the great uh, blessing it is to really be here in Christ's stead, reconciling men to God. And we just, uh, we can't say enough about how thankful we are to you. I'm so thankful for these that are gathered. I'm thankful for those that are in the building. And Lord, we just praise you and thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I present to you the deacons for 2021 at HBF. So you can give them some love. Thank <clears throat> you.
All right. I'm going to, yeah. I'm just going to ask you guys, you can just stay put for just a minute because we're going to dismiss in just a second. So uh, in conclusion, I want to, I will invite everyone to the reception. And uh, I do feel like it's important. I just, God put this on my heart as I was praying. Um, we've had so many faithful men that, that have been in the office of a deacon. Uh, some have had to uh, maybe step out. Some maybe were not nominated again. But we have not had a breach in our deacon uh, board over these years. And that's such a blessing. I've never had to ask a deacon to step down is what I'm saying. And if anything, we've always had just the most incredible deacons serve here at HBS, starting with Joe Sparks, our first deacon, who's now in heaven. And God has set the tone uh, ever since then. Men like Bob Bulkin, and we've had so many other just incredible deacons uh, serve. And, and so uh, just know that the men that have served that aren't here right now for whatever reason, whether it be Barry or uh, Richard's out here or it's uh, Wayne Arney, uh, it's not because they either were not nominated, maybe something's gone on in their life or what have you, uh, or whatever the case may be, but they're all in good standing, and God has done such a great job of providing deacons for our church. And to that, I just say hallelujah and praise God. With that, I want to just uh, ask a, a blessing and uh, on uh, whatever we're going to consume out there, uh, and uh, we're going to have some refreshments in the foyer. Everybody is uh, welcome and wanted, and, uh, and please uh, eat up, uh, drink up whatever we got out there and enjoy yourselves and celebrate this time. Let's all stand together as uh, we dismiss in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to gather tonight and to install these deacons. Lord, we uh, want to mention Mitch as well, who's not here tonight, and, and Lance Yoder. Lord, um, and uh, you know, obviously they're included in this uh, process. Uh, Lord, you know where they are and what's going on. And so, Father, we're thankful for them as well. We're thankful for your church. What a glorious church that you are washing in the water of your word. You're preparing for us uh, to join you soon. And Lord, we're looking, we're looking forward to it. And Lord, as we celebrate out here at this reception, Lord, in this time of uh, celebration, Lord, I pray that in all that we do, whether we eat or drink or install deacons or whatever we do, Lord, that we would do that for your honor, for your glory. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have at it.